0: My name is tisha richmond i am a tech integration specialist a family and consumer science teacher of 23 years and author of make learning magical welcome to the make learning magical podcast welcome to the make learning magical podcast i'm really looking forward to our guest today andrew easton is an amazing english teacher personalized learning collaborator from west side community schools in nebraska He is also an upcoming Dave Burgess Consulting, Inc. author and a speaker and consultant on personalized learning nationwide. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Andrew the past few years and meet him face-to-face at conferences such as USM Spark in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, ISTE and SpringQ, and I'm continually learning from him and always leave our conversations incredibly inspired. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Thanks, Tisha. I appreciate uh, being able to be on the podcast today. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. And uh, you inspire me as well. So I, uh, I'm glad we'll get a chance to sit down and, and talk shop here for a little bit.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited. So for all the listeners out there, could you just share maybe a little bit about yourself and, and how you've gotten into this journey on, in personalized learning and education?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, kind of the long story would be my I love sharing at least that I'm the fourth Andrew Easton in my family and my dad and my grandfather before me were both teachers and coaches. And I love being a little kid looking up to them and seeing the way in which their students and athletes responded uh, to them, you know, as they were uh, just great leaders uh, in the classroom and on the field. And so it, it was something that I think was sort of um fostered within me at a super young age. Uh, And so, yeah, I've entered into this profession, named my son Andrew Easton, so I'm a small town like that, kept that alive. Um, So we'll see if he chooses to go into the family business as well. But uh, um, yeah, and so I attended the University of Kansas. I taught in a Kansas City suburb at Gardner-Edgerton High School for about six years. Uh, And I came right out of um, college and taught a senior English class where, you know, oftentimes, especially when you're starting off, you just sort of go with what you've inherited from the previous teacher. Uh, And so for our third quarter in particular, I picked up this memoir that none of the students really cared for. Um, I inherited this packet that was about 20 pages long. uh, And it was just kind of imprinted upon me that uh, I was, to just sort of give them this book and this packet and let the third quarter play out because these were seniors and we weren't going to get a whole lot of work out of them. So um, after year two, I was like, we're not doing this again. And so I tried to come up with an idea for how do we start to foster, because at the time I was doing uh, just some reading, some articles and research on um, kind of what are the future ready skills that, that these kiddos are going to need to be successful once they get into the workplace. and. Uh, you know, I came across several lists and, you know, Forbes and everybody kind of has their top 10 things that employers are looking for. But, um, you know, things like communication skills, uh, adaptability, um, those interpersonal skills, can you sit down and have a conversation with folks, uh, and your, also your ability to kind of hold yourself to uh, work, um, and just to be an autonomous learner, right? Uh, and have like some agency, some confidence that if you can't figure something out initially that you can kind of work through it the stuff that we know matters I think as teachers I was like well how do I sort of amplify the things that we're doing um, to kind of get more in that in that vein and so uh, I decided that I was going to try to give uh, my students the opportunity to go through our course materials for the third quarter um, from day one and so how do you sort of uh, allow them to have control over pace and we had some choice kind of built in there too on some of the assignments uh, and I spent a long time getting ready for that, uh, to to kind of launch this eight week, here we go, Mm -hmm. um, you know, get out of the way kind of thing without a whole lot of models um, to build off of. And as things tend to happen, Murphy's Law struck, right? (laughs) And uh, (laughs) best laid plans. And there was a counseling error that semester as I was gonna get things started uh, for that third quarter where they put, between three and uh, five more students uh, in every class they kind of had did not account for the special needs population in each of my sections and so i on the first day of class for four sections had students on the floor uh, we didn't even have enough desks we're in the smallest room in the building and so this story for personalized learning starts in a pretty bleak place to that's show nice.
2: as far as that's wild
1: all that goes and so Um, fortuitously I guess uh, I ended up venting as is like probably the right thing to do in our profession right to uh, a colleague and and it was our media center specialist and she was just really great uh, at listening to me kind of work through all this and share my vision for what I wanted to get done and she said well why don't you bring them why don't you bring them down here? And I was like, What? And she's like, Why don't you bring your classes to the to the library? And so I sort of joked that we checked out the library. <laughs> Instead of just a book, we checked out the whole space for an entire quarter. Oh
2: wow. And
1: now this like choice plus pace thing met a flexible learning space before I even had any idea what that was. Uh and so very organically from there, um there's about a four year stretch in Kansas where I just learned a lot from trying to support students and these seniors and developing the skills to be able to uh, learn on their own. Um, And then I moved to to Nebraska, uh, the Westside Community Schools where I'm currently at. Um, We, in my second year here, I was selected to be part of a group that learned from Jim Rickabaugh, uh, who is a personalized learning guru and and a lot of the theory uh, behind this as a movement really was born out of his work with CESA One up in Wisconsin. Um, And so he kind of shaped my thinking significantly (laughs) around what what is personalized learning. And I was like, oh, that sounds like that thing from Kansas that we were doing. I didn't have a name for. Uh, And over three years, it just grew. Um, And then I got to be a personalized learning collaborator for Westside Community Schools, where my day in, day out is to go around and um, brainstorm with teachers K-12 on implementing personalized practices in their classroom. Uh, And I've gleaned so much. I know you and I have sort of talked informally about this, but, uh, we have gleaned so much from being able to just have very meaningful and rich conversations with practitioners about what they're doing and really trying to personalize their personalization experience by listening to them, letting them lead and letting them kind of own where they see their, their practices going next. So, um, Kind of long explanation there, but it has been a journey. I feel like I'm in you know about a year eleven with this work, and uh, uh, I've been really lucky along the way to have great administrators here um, and connect with great people that have certainly pushed my thinking far beyond where I would've ever got myself.
0: That is so exciting! What an incredible journey, and I don't think I realized you're eleven years into this journey. That is incredible. You have such rich experience, and I love how. You know, sometimes in life we we're handed these situations that are not ideal, and it really challenges us to think differently. You know, like you were given this packet and this class <laughs> that couldn't fit into a room, and all of a sudden you're you know that that's not going to work, and so you're you're challenged to think differently about the situation and how you can create the best learning experience possible for students, and you and you can amplify, like you said. Um, learning and and I, I love that journey of, of how you started out there and now you are to the point you are you are today where you're about ready to write a book. How crazy is that that's so exciting. It's crazy.
1: yeah and it's it's been fun and it's uh, it's just something that's really on my heart because i I feel like I have learned a lot and I, I've learned so much from just in the classroom you know just getting a chance to have the students kind of give feedback and in two different systems I, I've previously taught in it 85-minute block in our class periods now are 35 minutes, which is wow. a story in and of itself. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and, and getting a chance to see this stuff work with kindergartners uh, when, you know, sometimes people say, well, this sounds more like a secondary thing. Well, I, you know, I my own children are, are five and eight, and I've had a chance to work with their teachers um, on pra- personalized practices to kind of start to foster the type of thinking that we're Uh, encouraging district-wide as we try to you know scale up personalization and uh, it's been it's been really powerful uh, as a parent to kind of see that in those lower grades and so it's it's cool like I said I've learned a lot had a lot of great conversations and I want to write um, because I do feel passionate about this and and want to share and help others.
0: That's incredible. So tell me how this this whole book journey came about for you. You are in the middle <laughs> of writing it right now. In fact, it's gonna be yeah. releasing in 2020 through Dave Burgess Consulting. How did this all come about?
1: Um, I would say that it I'm gonna give a little bit of credit to Tara Martin to and to yourself, right? Like I we've been, the three of us have been uh friends for quite some time now. And uh, you know, I remember back talking to Tara, actually I joke with her sometimes. I can remember when she was like, you know, I think one day it'd be really cool to write a book. (laughs) And now, you know, Tara's book, Be Real, has uh, been very successful. And, you know, she as a speaker, presenter, consultant has been very successful. And uh, so sort of like following her through, uh, you know, that entire experience has been really cool. And, And your book as well, in the midst of all that and our conversations and um, so I just look to the two of you often, and I sincerely mean that not just cause I'm on your podcast. Like I have appreciated our friendship and, uh, has sort of led me to say, well, like, you know, I, I need to contribute too." you know, it's my, like, it's our responsibility to give to other people, uh, when people have done so much to give us opportunities to, to practice and try and learn and, uh, figure stuff out. And so, um, That certainly has been it. Jim Rickabaugh, I'll throw him in there as well. I told him um, at the personalized learning convening in Milwaukee here this past fall that I was going to write. And he he, he pulls me in and he goes, well, I got one thing to say to you. It's about dang time.
2: Uh, (laughs) I love uh, it.
1: That was just like, uh, you know, as a mentor in this um, part of education, uh, that meant a lot to me too. So just, I'll say the encouragement of some great people that I really respect. And so I've stepped into this and it's been fun.
0: Absolutely. Well, I... I cannot wait to read it. I am so excited. I am just a sponge. Whenever you start talking about the things that you're doing, I am just in awe and I could just chat with you for hours about the (laughs) incredible ideas that you have, um, you know, in in personalized learning and just education in general. So I cannot, cannot wait for this book to get published. Super (laughs) proud of you. Super proud of you taking that leap and sharing your story because I think it's so true. You know, we, we all have a story to tell, you know, we all have our own journeys in this, you know, in education and, and we all have a different, little different view on, on education and, and it's really powerful when we can share that with the world, so super, super awesome. So we are heading into 2020. I can't believe it. Um, That's crazy. It is crazy. And thinking back on this last, this last year, or it could be even this last decade, what's something that you are just really, that you've crushed that you're just really proud of?
1: Um, I, I mean, there's, there's probably multiple things I would say with this. Um, one, I'm gonna do a little side and say, just parenting, it's been so great. I feel, I feel like I've learned so much from uh, having kiddos get into the K-12 system uh, and uh, through them and through their experiences and through working with their teachers. Um, so that, that's certainly at the forefront of things. Two, uh, I would say that more in terms of like a, a last three or four years, I've learned so much about what it takes to scale things up like system-wide. Uh, Really had the opportunity to do that here in our district and everything from capturing teacher stories and sharing them on a podcast uh, to uh, just trying to be encouraging and finding almost incentives to kind of spur people to reach past their current practices and and, uh, work towards professional development. And then also gaining a real rich understanding of like the challenges that come with all that too um whether you know t- some teachers it, this profession's really hard and sometimes there's there's apathy or um it just it, the time isn't there um or the motivation isn't there or or it's a risk and it's going to put me in an uncomfortable place and wh- why do I want to get in that that um spot as an educator because I know that the thing that I've always done will work to a degree that I can predict <laughs> you know there's mm-hmm. there's sort of a lot of things i think that um make a lot of sense uh that certainly sometimes can hinder progress or or us kind of taking um, our practices to the next level. And so part of what's been, I would say to kind of marry that with the talk about writing the book, the challenge has been, um, and I passionately believe now, in trying to boil down PD to like the um, least common denominator is what I'd say. How do we make like for the smallest, most um, managed, like, what is a fair expectation for change you know and can we can we set the bar this is going to sound really weird but so um simplistically low (laughs) that you that anyone will go i can do that and then start to to gain some momentum and gain some um expectation for themselves to actually like take the steps necessary success breeds success and uh, it's very much aligns with what we're trying to do with our personalized practices too. It's just, um, we're, we're not, we're not going to change everything overnight. Uh, we're not expecting, um, you know, students to all of a sudden become learners who are equipped with agency tomorrow because we did some, you know, shiny new practice. But uh, how can we really just through a consistent effort and, and almost let things sort of grow and you would, in the way you would think a tree would grow, right? Like it's small and we're just going to plant the seed, uh, and then, as people start to kind of follow that main um, avenue, then it'll start to branch off into more cool and creative things that it can kind of flourish as it uh, progresses. And so, that's really been uh, systemically a big change in the last you know, three or four years. And then, I even have some practices from this fall, but I want to give you a chance to talk because I feel like I've <laughs> been going back and forth here. Not How's that hit your brain?
0: No, that's great. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm always a sponge when you are talking because I, you know, I'm always learning so much from you. And as an instructional coach for the first time, I mean, this is my second year doing this role. I was in a classroom since I graduated from college. I've been a teacher and then moving into this new role. It's been it's been so exciting but so challenging too and just trying to wrap my head around what this role looks like and really thinking zooming out you know I'm in, I'm now instead of being in a classroom I'm now at the district level and supporting 19 schools K through 12 and and really been thinking a lot about professional development and what that looks like and what is working what is not working and it's tough because you want you really want to provide opportunities that reach all of our teachers you know just like in the classroom we want to reach all of our learners we want to reach all of our, our teachers and help support them and help them feel comfortable stepping out and trying that new. Mm-hmm. you know trying something new to improve their practice and you know i'm wondering what does pd i know you you've talked about um you know, thinking about that differently and having these one-on-one conversations with teachers and supporting them that way. What does PD look like in your district? Um, do you, you know? I, I'm just curious, as as somebody who really is is trying to 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 shift some things in my district, I, I'm just curious about how you approach it.
1: Yeah, and we we certainly uh, within the personalized learning portion of our professional development. We're one piece in a much bigger puzzle, right? And so um, uh, I do have, um, there is a luxury, I would say, to being sort of the brainstormer design consultant within our district, where we're not really expected to go in and have to uh, you know have I think there's a harder conversation than instructional coaches sometimes have to have that my role is more so about hey let's do something fun <laughs> and so that's I'm, I'm speaking through that lens and I think it's good to sort of recognize that before I even like open my mouth about any of it but um, I, our vision really started with saying yeah how do we help people make even the smallest of changes um, in hopes of you know, like gaining that momentum as I said and so we sort of um, put together a rubric, um, that, that said, here's kind of our basic expectations for personalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it involved just a, a one day training, um, that we held in, in district and we actually opened our door system surrounding districts too. And it was really powerful to see other schools send their educators and the collaboration that went on in there, um, was just something that, uh, I learned a lot from, and I think sort of legitimized the effort for our own teachers, you know, you know, if it's kind of in-house PD, sometimes we're like, oh, that's just Johnny down the hall <laughs> versus, oh, so like as a community in Omaha, we're invested in this work. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so we did, we went through those teacher trainings, and then the follow-up was something that was just really important to us. And, and so we really made it um, that we had collaborators like myself that were uh, accessible to come in and brainstorm with individuals or teams before school, after school, during plan periods really whenever, you know, it worked. And uh, it typically played out where I would meet with teachers kind of for one initial consultation, they would sort of say, most of the time, what thing they were trying to personalize, right? This unit, this lesson, this activity. Uh, And then we would start to talk a little bit, and brainstorm, uh, and then we'd do a follow-up session where usually once we kind of had an idea, teachers wrapped their, gave themselves some time to wrap their minds around it. Um, And in that follow-up, we would set a date Uh, for when we'd want to actually sit down and build things and uh, we did have a grant that um, you know when our district level administrators came to us as a team and said what do you want to do with this this money Uh, we just said guest teachers we want substitute teachers (laughs) so that people have time because that's one of the biggest hindrances to progress Um, and so we got a half day sub for anyone in the district uh, that wanted to um, really invest in something that was a little bit more of a, um, you know, significant effort. I mean, it, it's always, change is always significant, but um, you know, instead of maybe just an activity that's part of a 35 minute class period, if you're going to work on an entire you know, week long series of lessons or a unit um, we could allocate four hours to letting you and your team um, sit down. And and I was a big part and my, and my colleagues in this work as well of, of being with those teams and just doing the tech end of things or, Um, just being there to help create resources and, um, through those, that, that kind of simple three steps, let's meet, let's talk, let's get all of our ducks in a row really in meeting number two. So that when we have four hours, we're not spending the first hour and a half trying to brainstorm still, like we're, we're moving things along. And I, I was most struck in the, um, process of all that by just how much you can get done when you take four hours to get out of the building, turn the emails off and sit down with a purpose that you already have identified, um, you can make some major, major changes in what feels like a pretty short period of time. And, and we did. And, um, a lot of the best stories are showcased on, uh, uh not that this is a plug, I don't get anything, but just <laughs> for access to anyone listening on westsidepersonalized.com. Um, we ended up, uh, having a follow up podcast to sort of, um, give a platform for those teachers to share their work um, for us as a district to show, you know, that kind of the breadth of all the things we're moving along with personalization. Uh, and so there's resources and stories there if um, you want to kind of hear the fruits of that labor that we put in.
0: Absolutely. I'm definitely going to check that out. So WestsidePersonalize.com. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's the, okay. perfect i yep. I'll put that in there show notes as well that is so that is so fantastic and I love the fact that you have that ongoing support you know and how you've structured that and that you have put priority on carving out that time for teachers because it is so hard I think that's one of the struggles that I find in in professional development in our district is where where's the time you know teachers at Mm -hmm. the end of the day they're tired and they have a hard time staying after a long day of teaching for additional professional development and there's not you know always those professional development um, hours carved out in the school year and so I think the fact that you have offered this you offered this training to your district and outside your district and then knew that it wasn't gonna stop there that that training was going to launch into personalized one-on-one conversations, and then Mm -hmm. running to really make this possible. I think sometimes we go to these professional development sessions and we learn about something and we think it's super cool, but then we get back and that excitement wears (laughs) off because we don't have the how-to. We don't have that somebody walking us through and, and helping us take that first leap. So.
1: Yeah, it's been, and you know what's been really fun too is that I've had a chance to kind of work with some different districts like across the country now with some of this and the follow-up conversations with those teachers. We'll even get on Zoom or Skype or whatever, you know, Google Hangout uh, because I'm, I'm with you. There's a value to having an ongoing conversation and my perspective at least on all this PD and you even said it there in your response is, is to personalize that, right? Like I, I think that we get most invested in the things that um, that we select, that we, uh, you know, identify as the greatest needs for our students. That's the stuff that, that uh, we're passionate about trying to further and see real meaning in. Uh, and so uh, to, to empower teachers with that is something that I think is refreshing to a lot of educators. Uh, it, it's on brand with the message that we're trying to bring for students too. So it's not like there's a disconnect where sometimes uh, I joked in college all the time, today's lecture is going to be on the ineffectiveness of lecturing. Sit there for tw- like <laughs> the next 40 minutes and listen to me. And, and I, don't, uh, I don't want to, to ever, to ever and you're going to have times where PD or classroom needs to be direct instruction. I'm not saying that, but I, I would like to as consistently as I can um, practice what I preach. Uh, and it's been really rewarding to be able to kind of do that with, with uh, some fidelity and consistency.
0: That's fantastic. So, you know, I I know this year it has to be so exciting to think that you're going to have this this book launched into the world in 2020.
1: <laughs> it I doesn't mean, even seem real yet, to show, I'll be honest.
0: With no, you. I know I am super excited about it. So, thinking towards 2020, is there anything else that you are just really excited about that's that's happening now, or um, that you that you see happening in 2020 that that you're looking
1: forward to? Um, I So I did um, ask to be back in the classroom um, half time and so I've, I've like made my way back in there and that's been really fun uh, to be able to sort of experiment you know after years of getting a chance to learn all these things like to actually get sure. back and work with students and so uh, I always have kind of my next like pet project <laughs> like for for the classroom. Um, And I've really been big on gamification for quite some time or game-based learning or actually alternate reality games. So ARGs is really where I think my heart's at most. Um, I, a few years back, had a chance to, um, well, Steven Isaacs redirected me to Paul Dervasi and uh, Paul and I've uh, become good friends and collaborated on a number of things. Um, And the ARG unit is actually something I'll be presenting on at ISTE this year. But uh, Paul put together this uh, unit with I Thrive Games where he featured a video game as a central text for, um, for a unit um, in English language arts, right? Which is kind of crazy oh, to awesome. think that you wow. have that focus. Right. And uh, I currently teach a class that has a pretty high population uh, as far as like special needs or behavior issues or... Uh, tenants' issues, I mean to be honest about that as well and we implemented that that curriculum and played that game at the end of the first semester and what an amazing tool for I would say for scaffolding narrative um, analysis uh, and what I found is that with a population of students that sometimes struggle whether it's from fluency uh, reading fluency, reading um, comprehension or just apathy for for reading in general, uh, you have all these students who previously, they, they just, they play a game of school, right? We all just do, Paul calls it like, uh, I think, English theater, where the teacher stands up the front and pretends everybody's read, <laughs> and all the like, students like perform as if they've read, and no one's really read the book, and you get to the end, and, and you're like, why did we do this? Uh, and it was so powerful to actually give every student in the class access to the narrative, right? Like nobody's locked out from the story because we're, we're all playing this and going through it together and are engaged in it. And the depths of analysis that we were able to get to because the story was accessible was phenomenal. Um, and the students just rose up and just advocated for that experience. Uh, Ithrive actually came out and filmed and got some student reflections, so that I'll be sharing a video on that. Probably probably I'm excited for that piece uh here coming up this semester. Um and just thinking more in terms of like in that vein, right? Like what are in, in a in an era and in a time where the different modalities and mediums through which we can engage
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, stories and texts and express ourselves and be creative are are you know increasingly endless. <laughs> um, Gosh, how do you how are you not excited about that? Maybe that's what I'll just boil this down to. Like that is in and of itself like something to be really um, you know just passionate about and excited for moving forward.
0: That is so exciting. I know we both share, you know, this love for gamification and gamification has been so powerful in my own experience. And as you're talking about narrative, I was just thinking about how like I've really been doing some research just on the power of story and how we can bring that into our classes and really layer that over our curriculum to draw our students in, you know, our, and and how can we create a classroom experience where our students are the heroes of the story, right? Like, we want them to yeah. be the heroes. We're the guides, we want them to be the heroes. And so I love, um, I love this idea of, You know using the alternate reality games to to um layer you know over your content to really connect to your students and and help them feel like they're truly a part a part of the story i think it's so it's fantastic
1: well and to go to class Because you have our, tra- at least at the high school level, right? You're like transitioning from one subject to the next. And instead of going from class to class, you're going from class to a game. That's amazing. Like yeah. you, you get
2: excited about
1: that. And, and with the personalized piece too, because I, I really built my RG over the top of a personalized learning unit. Mm-hmm. Um, students have also said that when you're the one that's in charge of the pace and in control of the, the course and again uh, this is the kind of souped-up version of personalized practices we do everything as simple as just making a single choice uh, but um, with, at that point though there were students that are like it was great because I came to class and I knew exactly what I wanted to do they set their own objectives uh, and and are experiencing a game while they're doing that at the same time uh, it it just changes the ownership is just passed, you know, the, there's just really, um, the students, the one that's at the center in those, those instances. And that I think professionally and personally is just so rewarding, um, to, to be in the classroom when those things are happening and I'm glad to be back in the classroom because I get a chance to kind of experience some of those things with, uh, with our kids now.
0: That is so, that's so incredible. And for those of, um, our listeners who maybe don't know what alternate reality games mean, <laughs> kind of a, little stuff what
1: that stands for um can uh, i'll see can we create learning experiences that blur the lines between gaming and and reality to where you almost don't even feel like you're at school anymore Mm. uh, because the you're stepping into this place where it does feel like an alternate reality so this isn't augmented reality reality which sometimes is a confusion there Um, we we went so far with, with our ARG game as to um <laughs> my friend that teaches here, Jeremy Stahl, uh gave me six or seven theater panels um because a the theater teacher. Uh, and I threw two dozen donuts, paid our art club to design a setting. Um, and we put up these um theater panels and so our, our classroom walls weren't even
2: the same, you know, <laughs>
1: when when students entered and so uh that's just one small small snippet uh, of what that looks like, but half uh coincidentally half the time I, I mean I'm still doing the personalized learning piece and I'm working with a teacher right now, and she we just built kind of a much smaller like a r g experience for her students this week um with uh, twelve angry men where they're gonna kind of have this uh situation that creates bias and prejudice kind of within them and, and and kind of plays upon some stereotypes which are things that they're teaching. I think that's kind of the point here too of ARG is to say like yes it's fun and yes it's pretty immersive but it also uh, the primary objective is so that the learner has to experience what you're learning about in a very real and firsthand way. Um, and so uh, like even in my own game, we were studying ethical dilemmas, um, right versus right decisions. And so a lot of the scenarios in the game put them in those types of spots. And then we can capitalize on that as a teachable moment and say, remember when you had to do this and how hard that was? Yeah. Okay. Right versus ethical dilemmas are tough.
0: Right. <laughs> and
2: you
1: can kind of teach that because now they know what it feels
0: like. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. So now that you are in the classroom and and you're getting to try these things out. I'm wondering what digital tools that you've used to make this, this experience come, come alive in your classroom. Is there any new ones that you've discovered or?
2: Yeah, when I,
1: when, I sh- when I shared the ARG unit uh, that we had a chance to develop, there were like 12 or 14 different things we ended up using.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'm a big proponent of video um, production or instructional video production. So I've actually presented on that and nerded out about that quite a bit. But as far as most recently, uh, I was at ISTE this summer, and when I saw the Flipgrid up- updates, I was like, gosh, Flipgrid is going to be the it tool, honestly, moving forward. And they continue to make updates <clears throat> that have been incredible. Uh, and probably my most, the thing that's just really like popped for students in the classroom this past semester, uh, we as part of that video game experience, the unit was focused in on identity. Uh, we talked about secrets. And so students wrote down a bunch of different like personal secrets that they had mm-hmm. um, and kind of crafted those with like, you know, through artistic expression. And so there was kind of a, the secret and then an image that went with that or which could have been something they drew or just found some stuff online. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I took those anonymously and posted those around the room using Flipgrid AR.
2: Oh, cool. So there's
1: your augmented reality. So that's the other wow. AR in games or things right. like this. Um, and so then students got a chance to do sort of a gallery walk around the room and see the secrets that were in the room. And it was um, I'm always at practice what you preach or try to make things kind of feel real. And so we talked about how at this moment before they got up to walk around, all these secrets are in the room, but they're hidden. And so it just takes an effort to uncover them. Right. And that's wow. through dialogue and investing in people. and because we're really working on the SEL piece. Um, and so the, for them to have to stand up and walk around and like seek those out was sort of, uh, to mirror the, the effort that it takes, um, to look inside a person too.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love Flipgrid as well. And I'm starting to explore the augmented reality, you know, features within it as well. And, and you're right. They completely, um, they, they keep upping the game and adding more and more amazing features. And I love that idea of how you're bringing that into learning and just tapping into that curiosity. You know, There's something about having to, to uncover and reveal and discover things that just, it, it immerses the learners. And um, I always am, am trying to find ways to bring, to tap into that curiosity in the classroom. I think it's super, super powerful.
1: Yeah, it was a great teachable teachable moment in that that some of them found that their peers had secrets that they weren't even willing to share themselves, um, and so there was a connection in that. Um, others were like, "Is this really even a like seriously? Like this is something like someone put down that they like the smell of some cleaning solution." <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, <laughs> um, and and it was funny that that sort of generated some conversations about. Well, I like the smell of gasoline, and that's kind of weird. <laughs>
0: like, right? right. So they're, Isn't that? I think that it's that they say that when you, when you, um, like smells like that, that sometimes it means like you're deficient in a certain nutrient. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I'm
1: to buy some vitamins then. Uh, I heard something about
0: that. Yeah. But that's, that's funny. funny. I
2: love that. Um,
1: but they, just the empathy was fostered across humorous things, across kind of maybe disgusting things in some people's perspective and across, uh, really, you know, pretty serious things. And, and the, the reflections that came out of that activity, uh, were, pretty eye-opening and I think it took our culture to a whole nother level too.
0: Wow that is so so awesome and two, that you're developing this classroom community that trusts each other right and that are you're just you're building that with relationships which I think is vital and I love how you're just bringing all of those pieces together. Truly amazing, Andrew! Oh my goodness, I literally could talk to you for just hours and hours. That's what I want to dive into. I can't believe we've been talking so long already. Um, so we'll definitely need to have a a um, Andrew Easton part two episode <laughs> coming up soon.
1: That'd be so fun. That'd be so fun. And I hope we get a chance to, uh, for, um, to present together at ISTE, oh if we can get our goodness.
0: session. Yes. So. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about that. We have um, a, a people's choice session that we have out there. So we would love for, would you like to reveal the name of our session that we are proposing?
1: yeah beg borrow and steal that's what teachers do that's our job in a lot of ways is being able to to kind of learn from each other and to take things like templates and handouts and modify those and make it your own and so uh i'd love yeah for anybody that's interested to uh, give us a vote and hopefully join us for uh beg borrow and steal to personalize and gamify uh i think would be a and we're gonna make it really fun like mm-hmm. we're, I, i'm excited to have people kind of up and having forcing people to beg, borrow, and steal in the session, so yes. You're interactive.
0: Yes, I cannot. I cannot wait. I I have confidence that this is going to happen, and we're going to get to present. Cannot For wait. sure. So, where can uh, speaking of conferences is iste the next place that people can find you speaking, or where where yeah. can they see Andrew Easton present? <laughs>
1: Nebraskans, um, I'll probably catch you at NDLA or NIDA, uh, but uh, yeah, ISTE, uh, Summer Spark up in Wisconsin, as you mentioned, is just a great kind of boutique conference, I feel like, for uh, the summertime with a lot of amazing, amazing educators there. I love going to that. Uh, I'm considering hopefully maybe getting a chance to go to Serious Play in Orlando um, over the summer as well. And so, that Serious Play conference, you should check that out. It's a yeah. conference that brings business and um, healthcare and education and all these different uh, walks of life that uh, we're all sort of united, I guess, in our uh, passion to find ways to allow games and gamification and um, game based learning and all these things to um, drive our customers or our clients or our students. Uh, and so that's just a, a great place to kind of extend those conversations. Um, and then, um, yeah, the person I was learning convening in Wisconsin next fall. Um, so, but that's just kind of what's on the docket right now. And, awesome.
0: um,
1: or reach out to me. Yeah. Anytime. Happy and to how chat. Can
0: we find you? How can we find you in social on social media platforms?
1: Yeah. I need to up my social media game probably a little bit. I'm at Easton a one on Twitter, Uh, and you can shoot me an email if you want, um, at some point in time through, uh, andrew.d.eastin1 at gmail.com if you, um, trying to connect. But that aside, I'm still working on kind of bringing the blog around and, um, getting the website ready for books and all those things that are coming up. So, (laughs) um, yeah. yeah. TBA on that.
0: Yes, yes. Look, definitely look out for his book um, being published by Dave Bridges Consulting Incorporated in 2020. Um, It's going to be amazing. I absolutely cannot wait. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Andrew. It's been such a pleasure pleasure to chat with you as always.
1: Uh, Thanks for a great conversation, Tish. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Follow me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, and join my gamifying family and consumer science group on Facebook. You can also find lots of resources and my blog at TishaRichmond.com.